invite you to join me in a word of prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it's one of those jingles uh, that is almost impossible to forget. You see, the year is 1965. A young uh, Amy Grant is strolling down the beach, and Barry Manilow is singing in the background, Meet the Swinger, the Polaroid Swinger. And if uh, that catchy chorus doesn't do it for you, then I bet uh, the chorus does. Uh, It is more than a camera. It's almost alive. It's only $19.95. You see, with marketing like that, it's a little wonder uh, that this camera goes on to be one of the best-selling cameras in American history. And not only that, it revolutionizes photography more generally. Uh, Because ordinary people, people like you and me, could take these beautiful, stunning photos in just a matter of seconds. Yet it may surprise you to learn uh, that none of this would have been possible. The Polaroid Instant Camera and other cameras like it if it hadn't been toward 20 years earlier when a little girl asked a very important question. Why? You see, it all started on a sunny December day. That's how Edwin Land, uh, co-founder of the Polaroid Corporation, describes it. We were enjoying a family vacation in Santa Fe, New Mexico. It was well-earned. And you can probably picture the scene all around him. The sun is just beginning to set off on the horizon A light dusting of uh, snow has just uh, landed on the rugged, rocky landscape all around him, and his little daughter is dancing in the foreground. I mean, it's just one of those moments that that begs for a picture. And uh, Edward Land, this 34-year-old father of two, whips out his spiffy Roloflex camera. Now, maybe you've seen these things before. They're about six inches tall, four inches square, a little under three pounds, and they got twin lenses, adjustable focus. And if you look into the body of this camera, get this, you can actually preview the picture. And so he lines up the shot, and he snaps one photo after another. Now, a couple of minutes pass, and eventually his little girl looks up at him and says, Daddy, show me my picture. Now, if you're Edwin Land, uh, the thing that you know but aren't really sure how to express is that it's going to be a while before she sees it. I mean, first you've got to unload the film, then you've got to take it to the pharmacy, and then you've got to wait while it's painstakingly developed, and then there's no guarantee that you're actually going to like it. And so you look down at your daughter and you say, Honey, it's going to be a while. And like any old three-year-old, she looks back up at you and says, Why? A very important question. See, questions like this are very easily uh, dismissed. They're very easily dismissed even when they've got the power to transform the way we see the world all around us. I mean, if Edwin Land doesn't listen to his little girl, there's no Polaroid instant camera. And, you know, it's because questions like this are so easily dismissed. I think so often uh, the simplest answer, the easiest answer, the safest thing to do is to not ask them. You may have been there before at home, at a party, at work, someone says something, and maybe it's not completely clear, or maybe you're just curious. And so it creates this question, yet somehow, more often than not, whether it's fear or embarrassment or discomfort, it has this way 
of keeping you from asking it. Not about you, but of all the places that this happens in my life, uh, the place it happens the most is in my relationship with Jesus. Because, you know, I got all these questions, questions I'm afraid to ask, questions I'm embarrassed to ask, questions that, that quite honestly, I've got simply because I'm curious. And that's why tonight's reading is just so important. Because in it, Jesus invites us to ask them. He invites us to come to him like a little child. He invites us to hear his words of promise, and he invites us to believe that nothing in this world, not even our questions, can come between us. Nancy brings us uh, to tonight's reading from Mark chapter 9. And what might just seem like business as usual, I mean, the disciples leave one place with Jesus, they're on their way to another. While it might just seem like business as usual, what happens in tonight's reading, what happens in passing, ends up being really significant. You see, as the curtain rises on tonight's reading, the disciples find themselves trying to make sense of these two very incredible experiences that all all got started earlier in the day when Jesus takes three of them, Peter, James, and John, up this high mountain. Maybe you're familiar with what happens up there. Uh, Jesus is transfigured before them. I mean, the, the clouds part, the Spirit descends, and the voice of the Father says, this is my Son, whom I love. Listen to him. Now, time passes, a couple of minutes, maybe it's an hour or two. We're not really sure, but eventually they come down this mountain. And when they do, they witness the second very incredible experience. You see, there's this young boy. He's got a demon, and no one can help him. But Jesus heals him. And it's these two very incredible experiences that create all sorts of questions when Jesus goes on in the following passage to make this statement, the Son of Man, he says, is going to be betrayed. He's going to be handed over, delivered to his enemies, and they are going to put him to death. Now, for just a minute, uh, I want you to set aside the fact that Jesus is talking about himself in the third person. And consider yourselves in their shoes. I mean, can you, can you imagine? You just witness the creator of the universe tear open the heavens and tell you that Jesus is his one and only son. And then you came down this mountain and there's this boy and no one can help him. But Jesus can. What do you mean they're going to put you to death. I mean, you're, you're Jesus. It's not allowed to happen. And then that word pops out at you, betrayed, not caught, not trapped, not discovered by someone else, but, but betrayed. I mean, that's something that only someone close can do. And so you look around, and you begin to ask yourself, I wonder who's going to do it? That's not the only thought that races through your mind, but you see, the more you begin to wonder, the more reluctant you get. I mean, do I really want to know? And that's not me, right? I mean, I wouldn't do something like that. And, and if he is going to be put to death, do I really want to follow him? You see, sometimes the safest option, the simplest option, the easiest option is to not ask the question. And that's exactly what happens in tonight's reading. And that's why what happens in the following scene is just so important for people like us tonight. Because Jesus invites a child. A child who 
isn't afraid to ask questions into his midst, and it's his way of saying that, that this relationship, our relationship, is safe space, and there is nothing in this world, not your questions, nothing else that can come between it. Now, I mentioned uh, a time or two uh, that last spring at Common Ground, I had the opportunity uh, to lead a course called Tough Questions. Tough questions uh, that people ask Christians about their faith. You know, questions like, uh, why does God allow suffering in the world? Or, or why does he answer some prayers and not others? Or, or, you know, why is it important? Does it really matter? I mean, why do I need to belong to a church? And as you may imagine, uh, it led to a, a bunch of really good conversations. Yet something struck me almost every single night that we gathered. See, our, our time together would be coming to a close, and then someone would raise their hand and say, you know, I think I've got more questions now than we got started. And perhaps you've been there before, you know, uh, asked a question, dug a little deeper, only to discover that something is way more complex than you ever imagined. You know, what I want to suggest uh, tonight is that while that creates a sense of tension, a sense of discomfort, that that's a good thing a right thing, an important thing. And when it comes to our faith, those questions are a sign that you're growing closer to Jesus. You know, I'll never forget uh, the way that a seminary professor once illustrated this concept. You see, we're in class, and someone asked one of those questions, and it, it led to almost an hour's worth of conversation. As it came to a close, the student in class raised his hand and said, you know, I think I've got more questions now than when we got started. And so the professor offered the following illustration. He said, uh, I want you to take out a sheet of paper. I want you to take out a sheet of paper and write down every single thing that you knew about this topic an hour ago. So the students in the class, they grab a sheet of paper and they begin to write down a bunch of things. And a few minutes later, uh, the professor says to the students in the class, all right, now I want you to take a crayon or a marker or a pencil and draw a circle around it. So the students draw a circle around all those words. And the professor says, you see, that circle represents the boundary between what you knew an hour ago and what you didn't know. And that boundary is the kind of place where you know just enough about what you don't know, the stuff that's on the other side, that you're actually able to ask some really good questions. And so the students sat there and they thought about this. And then a few moments later, the professor asked one more question. He said, what happens when you learn more things about this topic, the students in class sat there for a couple of moments, and eventually someone raises their hand and says, well, when you know more things about a topic, there's more stuff inside the circle. And so the circle gets bigger. The professor's eyes light up and says, exactly. When you know more stuff about something, the boundary between what you know and what you don't know gets bigger. And that's why now, an hour later, you have more questions than when we got started. Now, maybe it's a corny illustration, but I think it really does a good job of pointing out the way our faith works. Uh, that the more you know, the deeper you dig, the closer you grow, the more questions that you're going to have for Jesus. And what I'm here to say tonight is that this isn't just okay. It's important. 
I mean, it is the way our relationship with him works as you get closer and closer together. And you know, quite honestly, it's the way that God made us. I mean, he made us like, like little children with all sorts of questions. And the promise he makes is that our relationship is safe space. It's the kind of place where we can come together and always ask them. You know, this is uh, the reason why we do what we do here at St. Andrew. I mean, it's why we gather in this place on a night like tonight, because, you know, we really believe that it's only through asking questions like this, wrestling with our faith, leaning in and embracing it, that we ever grow closer to Jesus. Now, in uh, Marshfield, Massachusetts, uh, there is a church uh, that has actually made itself about doing just this. You see, uh, they were founded back in 2010. They called themselves Sanctuary. And believe it or not, uh, they are Lutheran in origin. And uh, you see, when they started getting together, they didn't have a church. They didn't have a building. They were actually worshiping in the backyard of one of their members up on a deck. And that backyard just so happened to be surrounded by a white picket fence. And like most picket fences, it was relatively low. You could actually see through it. And one day, someone noticed that that picket fence also did something really significant. You see, it, it carved out this very deliberate space, safe space, where, where people could come together, wrestle with their faith, explore what it means, and grow closer to Jesus. You know, that's the kind of space that he uh, carves out for people like us, the kind of space where it's okay to have questions, the kind of space where it's, it's okay to want answers, the kind of space where it's understood that we've got curious hearts and, and we're just going to wonder. You know, as uh, we come to a close, it strikes me that uh, it's almost all too appropriate uh, that I would want to leave you with a question. And that question is this. How do you think the disciples' story would be different if they were willing to ask Jesus their questions. I mean, picture that day. What, what sort of conversation might they have had? What sort of relationship they could have developed? And that's just him, I mean, with, with the fellow disciples, with people all around them. And then to ask this question, how might your story be different if you were encouraged or invited to bring your questions to Jesus? Because, you know, you might not get all the answers that you're looking for, uh, but I'd be willing to bet uh, that it's going to have an impact. Be willing to bet that it'll probably only bring you closer together. So as you leave tonight, uh, you know, my hope and my prayer for you is that God would bless you as, as you come to him, like a little child with, with all sorts of questions. And the promise he makes is the promise that says... No thought that you think, no question that you ask, no way that you wonder can ever or will ever come between us. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.